eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. the full 10 yards college football podcast we're back and we've got a lot to talk about this weekend after another top-notch weekend of action from stateside joined by a couple of boys today so i've got liam and kieran with us everything all good with you guys yep really good here saturday was fun sunday i relaxed knowing that the seahawks <laughs> weren't playing and i could enjoy nfl yeah, yeah, good weekend, good weekend of football. Yeah, I had a ra- relaxing weekend on sunday for the total opposite reason really I didn't have to endure any stress of a chargers game Kieran, welcome you back in after a week off, a week away. Um, obviously missed out on LSU's loss last week, didn't we? So we won't mention that too much this week, I don't think. How are you doing, mate? You're right. Oh, I watched my team with an MVP winning quarterback lose to a team that didn't score a touchdown with a third round dude out of Mizzou. I am in the dumps, my friend. <laughs> Feeling better though, health-wise, after last week's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can uh, I can drink water again. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So yeah, this week we'll be reviewing the action as always, and then we'll be previewing the Big Ten Conference, which returns to our screens and lives this weekend, which you know, I think we're all, all glad for. President Trump is especially glad for. Now it's got him a, a maybe a few votes out in the Midwest. But uh yeah, less said about him the better. So yeah, we're gonna be giving you our teams and com- teams and players to watch in the conference, should I say, and maybe have a little prediction of who's gonna lift that championship out in the Big Ten as well, which um probably isn't more than one suggestion between the three of us, but you know, one that we never know. Um so, never yeah, know. like like I say, let's uh, let's get into reviewing the action because we've got plenty to talk about this evening. Also got a little shout out for one of the smaller teams from one of us um who has done some big, big stuff this weekend. So like I say, let's move on to this. So I'm I'm going to actually start us off. Um, obviously, Andy's not here, and we usually give him a bit of a, a bit of a ribbing about Florida State, don't we? I kind of set him up for a bit of a fall into his uh, review of their game. But obviously, I'm with egg on my face now, being a big Tar Heels fan these days. Um, obviously, FSU came in, got, got the win uh, at home, and uh, yeah, upset the the five ranked. Oh, no, no more actually five ranked dropped all the way down to fourteen, but more on the AP poll later. Um, yeah, so we, we dropped him down. So I'm going to do this one for you, Andy. Um, yeah, Florida State just executed better at the end of the day. I think if you told me there was a number five ranked team in the game, I would have said it was Florida State. If I, you know, if I was just a random watching football for the first time, Jordan Travis has, has just given life, hasn't he? He looks a completely different quarterback from whatever they've got, on, whatever other guys have got on the roster. And um, yeah, he looks like a like a, a person to build around, really. And you know, if it clicks on Florida State's roster over the next you know couple of months and then goes into next year, they've they've got some building blocks there. As we said last week, there's definitely some draftable talent on that roster on both sides of the ball. Um, it's, like I say, it's probably not going to save their season this year, but you know, John Travis is definitely a guy who we're looking out for in the future. Redshirt freshman um, in there, and yeah, going to be someone that for Mike Norvell to kind of bring together in his rebuild. As for UNC, well, never really got going. Uh, gave themselves a big, big hole to dig themselves out of, and didn't quite do it. You know, block kicks, Sam threw a pick six, which he telegraphed to the defender. It wouldn't have even been a good pass, even if it got made it. It would have been a, a pretty decent loss um, of yardage on that completion. Uh, but yeah, big time stared down. The running back coming out of the flat. Um, so yeah, FSU got on top, stayed there. Um, Sam threw for his first um, 300-yard game of the season, which was good. Um, but you know, it was game It was game script. It was one of those things where he had to throw it, he had to hurl it. Running backs looked good, um, but yeah, I just had to throw it and didn't quite get it done. So yeah, um, Florida State winning this one. 
Um, I've got to say, though, in my ACC preview that I wrote a couple of months ago now before the season kicked off, um, I did have uh, UNC dropping this one to Florida State. So kind of on schedule. Still think they'll finish second behind Clemson in the conference. Um, everyone on schedule apart from the Charlotte game keep being called off, really. So, yeah, um, a bit of a disappointing one. But, uh, yeah, FSU getting the win and that one's for you, Andy. So you guys, um, you guys are going to kick us off with our next game, and you both want to talk about Alabama and Georgia, obviously the headline act of this weekend. Um, so Liam, why don't, you, why don't you start us off there with with this game? Yep. So this was um, probably one of the SEC games of the season. Mm. Number two, Alabama hosting number three, Georgia. Um, potentially um, as good a, a game as the SEC was going to uh, have for the weekend, and um, it was. Really entertaining start uh, to the the game. We had two interceptions in the first three plays as the mm. offenses tried to get going. Um, once they did, uh, Mac Jones and the Alabama offense looked very good. Um, Bama's defense looks a bit shaky to start with, mm. um, and uh, Georgia ended up uh, taking the lead at halftime, twenty four twenty. Um, I really like watching Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense um, for the reason that we had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell at wide receiver taking on what's um, been getting quite a lot of good press that Georgia's secondary. And yeah, yeah, they put up some good numbers, some big plays from from the wide receivers. Um, I don't know, uh, Kieran, if you want to uh, come in on anything at the moment. Well, I, I was honestly been surprised by how well Mac Jones is playing this year because obviously he stepped in last year for Tua Tagovailoa and he didn't look uh, he didn't look super impressive. He struggled against bigger teams like Auburn. He struggled when he came in against LSU and he just looked shaky. But he's actually just really improved this year and he's got guys, I know he's got guys like Waddle and Smith who scary NFL talent receivers really like they're just fast they take the tops off but they just absolutely clowned Georgia their secondary was all over it their linebackers were playing well their D-line was just crazy I know they only got two sacks off on Stetson Bennett but he was not you know he threw three picks he, he threw 18 for 40 under 300 yards whereas Mac Jones on the other hand was 24 for 32 put up 417 yards four touchdowns to the uh, solo pick it was was ridiculous Alabama just looked in a different class and normally Georgia and Alabama are a bit bit closer in terms of parity it wasn't too long ago they're facing off against each other in national championships so it, it I don't know whether recruiting's going or Alabama just Alabama just seemed to always find a way to win, even when losing a bunch of uh, talent to the NFL. They still some to, somehow seem to pull a win out, and against teams like Georgia, who just have really been struggling. I don't know whether it's the uh, lack of spring games and stuff, but you know, Alabama are just on another level right now, and I, I really like them for taking it all this year. Yeah, um, when I did my uh, SEC preview. And I know that we've each mentioned it before in other episodes, Georgia are going a bit under the radar. And that first half when they were they were up on Alabama, I was thinking, OK, yeah, yeah, Georgia, yeah, they're a legit top five team. This is uh, this is really uh, in- this was really interesting. And then I think they even uh, spoke to a couple of the Alabama guys, Nick Saban before halftime, said, OK, we're going to adjust a couple of things. 
and won the second half 21 nothing just pulled away so easily compared to how well the first half went I think that was a bit of a surprise just how much Georgia struggled in that second half just couldn't answer their offense looked pretty good I like their run game and uh, they they just seem to pass at the wrong time run at the wrong time maybe at certain points in that second half and just couldn't get going yeah, I mean, I'll come in on, on Stetson Bennett. We've obviously been, like you say, talking about them as a bit of an under-radar team. And, and Stetson Bennett's been playing pretty well, you know, shockingly so, keeping JT Daniels sort of a bit of an afterthought, really, in everyone's mind. But it was very much a welcome to the college football scene moment, wasn't it? You know, or game, should I say, rather than a particular moment. Because like you say, through three picks, didn't look too impressive. And like you say, Alabama kind of all over him. And and just kind of looking that cost above, I think, like we said, Previously, and I said last week, I'm, I'm backing them for the for it all because they just replace that talent over and over again as it goes to the NFL and, and there's no let up really. Saban gets everyone playing for him like the life depends on it really, and that's his that's his key attribute almost as a as a coach. I um I li- liked how Georgia's secondary tried to set up against those wide receivers, but then uh, like Eric Stokes has been getting a lot of good press and Devonte Smith just. He just outplayed him most of the mm. game. And even uh, the last score, just Smith just went one-on-one. Smith just out-mustered him, just went up and just got it. It, it um, yeah, They showed their class, those wide receivers. They showed all their strengths. Waddle showed his speed on, I think there was a 90-yard touchdown play. He left one of the guys behind. It wasn't a good game, actually, for, for Georgia's secondary in terms of, um, of uh, draft stock and their stock for the next level. Did you want to come in then? Sorry. Yeah, it's it's like um, Liam said, Alabama came out and made adjustments and that's kind of what Saban does best. And a lot of people don't, who don't watch Alabama don't understand how his defense is. They play a lot of exotic stuff that you don't normally see in college. A lot of formations that you only really used to seeing in the pro game. So when guys like Stetson Bennett are on the field who aren't super experienced and haven't had maybe the prep time that they would have with a full season, it's easy to confuse them and, and, give them looks that they might throw into coverage or throw some bad passes or like he did, had a lot of incompletions because he was just sort of overwhelmed with the looks he was seeing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we're going to we're gonna talk about our, and we're going to kind of revisit our final four shouts and championship shouts. I guess Alabama's going to be in it for all three of us or remain in it as we, as we, we all had them in there to begin with. Let's move on to another team then who will most likely be in there for all three of us and, and remain so. Clemson running out 73-7 to seven winners <laughs> against Georgia Tech. Like, what more can we say? I mean, I know we've talked about Clemson. We talk about Clemson quite a lot, as all you know, college football fans do. But this, this is, you know, when we say about teams wanting to just, you know, keep the foot on the gas after they go up, this was the epitome of it, wasn't it, really? Go I mean... Good. They put a punter out there to play quarterback. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if you want to... That's not even mercy rule at that point. You're just taking a mick. If, if you put your punter out there just because he's like, oh, coach, Dabo, can I go out there and throw a couple passes? I think that would be fun. I want to get a few picks for the gram. When you're doing that, you know you've totally outclassed the team. And I don't think Georgia Tech are even a bad side, but... Clemson are just different mustard and I, I hate giving them credit because I really don't like Dabo Sweeney but they've got so many good players there it's just they're unbelievable and another team like Alabama who are as long as they've got that coach in place they're going to be dominant yeah no for sure go on then. yeah the, 
to add to that point, it, Georgia Tech are not a bad team, and uh, seven, and they've. I think even in terms of this season, they're going to uh, progress and, and improve, over, and especially over the next year or two. This wasn't just uh, like a game against a small school. This was a, mm. a game against a, another fellow conference team, and um, that's the sort of game that is going to um, keep Clemson at number one for the rest of the season in terms of speaking yeah. about who's going to win the other conferences. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, we, we've been talking up with Jeff Sims a little bit, haven't we, over the past few weeks, and stat line did not look good. You know, six completions for 81 yards out of 13, so just under 50%. Uh, in terms of completion percentage, only through one pick, but just absolutely dominated, you know, just not able to have some breathing room. And that was because Trevor Lawrence was dealing to everyone, you know, like you just said, they had the punter out there. They could have had the water boys out there catching passes for all we knew. I think it was 15 guys in the end, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, no, Clemson absolutely dominant. And speaking of those pass catchers, I just want to give a bit of a mention to Amari Rogers, who seems to really come into the fore. You know, last year they lose uh, guys to the NFL draft like T. Higgins, then lose um, Justin Ross. I was going to say John Ross then for some reason. Justin Ross to obviously the the neck injury, and then you're thinking, well, who's going to step up for Clemson? And Mario Rogers seems to be that guy who's just who's just doing it on a weekly basis now, just seamless. You know, it's not even as though they're missing guys, and he seems to have the trust of Trevor Lawrence. There seems to be this new partnership that seems to be taking Clemson to. I almost said new heights then, but I guess with a score of 73 on the weekend, it kind of almost is. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is, he might want to slow down doing as good because it seems like right now he's on a one-way ticket to either the Washington football team or, or the New York Giants. So maybe he wants to slow down and let Justin Fields get ahead of him so he can set himself up for a good franchise. But yeah, he's it's almost a seamless transition. We saw it with... Uh, Deshaun Watson and then Kelly Bryant and then obviously odd Trevor Lawrence they haven't missed a beat no matter who's calling plays no matter who's out there at quarterback no matter who is out there uh, receiving running the ball the the talent there is because they had that front four with like Clellan Ferrell and everything mm. the power rangers like some of the best d-line in football they all go off to the NFL in one year Next D line steps in and they're just as great. It's, it's honestly kind of irritating how good Clemson are. <laughs> yeah, I can tell it gets to you, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially as an LSU fan. And obviously, you, know, you got the better of them last year, but uh, they'll, they seem to have all the trump cards hidden away, don't they? As soon as like you know, a new like new team comes in, it's the same same old story, isn't it? Week after week or year after year. So we've got, obviously, we've got a big score that we've just discussed there with the you know, 80 points going up. We had a, a game with even more points involved with Memphis and UCF. So, yeah, obviously a game with, uh, yeah, 99 points with Memphis winning out 50 to 49 over UCF. Obviously, it would have been nice to land on again for this one because obviously a bit of a vested interest in UCF. But this one was a back and forward game. Obviously, there's just points everywhere. Dylan Gabriel putting up over 600 yards through the air and five touchdowns. And then Brady White, six touchdowns again for the second time this season, putting up 486. And like I say, just, I mean, not a lot of defense knocking around. I think we, we kind of said on the pod the other week um, that there wasn't a lot of defense around, but this game kind of epitomized that and epitomized what college football has become this year, even more so. I know college football, there's always more points than there, has, than there is in the NFL, but I think even more so this season, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think they're yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and the the AAC uh, has uh, 
often led the way in the in that point scoring. It's yeah, for sure. It's all out. It's all out offense, and there's more and more good offenses in in that conference. Mm. Yeah, we we I mean we've talked about it in the past, haven't we, Liam? That it's just such a good conference with so, so many good teams in it, and it's definitely one that that deserves a bit more attention, I think, nationally and internationally as well with people like ourselves. And um, yeah, so many so many good teams in there, and uh, and lots of good players to come out of that conference as well. It's a good game for um, for me and my pick that Cincinnati are going to win that conference this season as well. It is, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're ranked. In, is they still eighth in the new rankings? They now? were, but they they were one of the postponements this week, so mm, they didn't yeah, play. They were on the road to Tulsa, who I think were the team that beat UCF and gave UCF their first loss, and so now UCF are a two loss team after this week. Yeah, that's right. Cincinnati looking strong. Yeah, yeah, be good, like, say, be, like you say, be a good shout for that one. Kieran, did you want to come in there? Yeah, since you're actually playing Memphis next week, I think, and Luke Fickle's done a great job there as head coach. He's really uh, changed the culture, and Mm. it's something you talk people talk about a lot is the culture, and that that's why teams need that. We see it with the Titans in the NFL right now. Every every single person on that team would run for a brick wall for uh, for Vrabel. So that that's sort of what Luke Fickle's done. He's instilled this this ethic with people, and and they want to go out and play for him, and that's why. Cincinnati have done so well. Like he's got a good record there. He's mm. uh, twenty nine and thirteen, I think. Like he he's doing great, and he's probably one of the best coaches they've had in a while. So it's just good to see teams from the smaller divisions thriving because it was just UCF's division for for uh, you know <laughs> nearly ten years now. So mm. it's good to see other people coming up. Yeah, for sure. When we did our uh, coaches, when we looked at coaches last week, I considered Luke Fickle. I considered mentioning him before I went for Kevin Sumlin. So yeah, definitely someone, definitely a coach who should be on a few radars as, as time goes on. And if he continues to do that, then you know it's going to be bigger jobs in college football calling or, or like I say, even to the NFL, as we were just saying. One of the one of the teams who, who are one of the best teams in the ACC are Houston. And they came up one of the hottest teams in college football at the moment, and they in BYU. I think, I think we're going to kind of make a bit of a feature out on the podcast of Zach Wilson. Maybe we'll have a little bit of a look into him as the time goes on in the next few weeks uh, in a pretty similar vein than we did with Trey Lance. But yeah, BYU absolutely rolling, obviously rolling over Houston, who are only one and one only played a couple of games so far. But 400 yards, four touchdowns. He just looks like he can't miss at the moment. And it's one of these things that if, if, time, if, if it goes on, and this is what I said on a tweet on Saturday evening, if... Um, he comes out and if he declares, he could be QB3 by the end of this year. You know, it's 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 one of those things where it's a bit hazy, isn't it, down the, you know, after uh, Trey, uh, Trey Lance, after Trevor Lawrence and um, Justin Fields. I, you know, it's a bit of a muddy mess. And I'm going to mention another QB when we talk about Big Ten, but there's a, there's a chance. Let me, let me just say that. Liam, you were kind of looking a bit pained when I mentioned it. You think it's a bit rich. I When we talked about him last week and I said as a, as a uh, from a drafting perspective, I think it's really interesting that he's starting to get sort of top five QB five um, press. Mm. I yeah, I, I still think that the season needs to be seen out. It's really, I mean, I say that, but then you know, every time I kind of start doubting him, he goes and throws another <laughs> win, another eighty percent completion game. Yeah. That, that's the thing about him. He, he's he's just winning, and he's and he's and he is the one that's winning the games as well. And it's mm. the reason why everybody's uh, getting so excited about him yeah, in terms of not, moving up to the NFL. For me, there's not actually too many other star players on this BYU team. Probably why I didn't pay much attention to him or them preseason when I was doing some summer scouting. Yeah, they had um, yeah um, 
uh, Matt Bushman, the tight end, is the guy mm. that comes to mind. But they're missing him this year, and mm. uh, there's uh, they're always going to have a few guys on defense. But um, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Zach Wilson's just uh, he's taken over, taken over that team. The reason why they're top twenty at the moment. Mm. Yeah, like I say, maybe maybe it is a bit rich, but maybe maybe I'm getting a bit on the hype train a little bit too soon. But you know, Trey Lance isn't playing anymore, and it is going to be recency bias. It is going to be you know a body of work that he's putting together, which is what one of my grievances was with Trey Lance last week. So yeah, watch this space. Like I say, I'm not anointing him yet as, as QB three, but I, I think there's a chance when it all said and done for this season that he could be up there. Sorry, Kim, did you want to come in there? You had yeah, yeah, he's even as QB five, the talent coming into this year's draft is not. You know, it's not exactly quarterback rich, but even, yeah. even at QB5, he's probably looking at like a third round selection at this point. I mean, that's not terrible because we see a lot of third round QBs starting as more of a project guy. And uh, I think definitely there's more of a sample size than with Trey Lance and probably he, well, he's definitely playing better competition than Trey Lance. So, it, you know, even if he is sneaks up to that QB5 start, he's still probably looking at, mid third round which i don't think is too much of a reach for a guy like that because he has good mechanics and you can you can work with it so yeah he, he could turn into something nice if he gets the right coaching mm. yeah obviously only a junior so it might not come out but if he continues to play the way he is he's gonna be kind of forced to really isn't he? there's only one way to go so no point in him staying uh, at school especially like byu cash in while you while you can yeah, just and uh, just to add to it, uh, Kieran said there's there is a lack of um, depth after the top three or four in this draft, so it's good. It's he might be persuaded to, you know, he'll be told it's a good year, uh, maybe to enter the draft, and you know that's probably why there'll be a lot of good quarterbacks around day three that are, they'll be knocking on the door of, uh, like you say, that kind of QB five to ten, and he'll be right in there. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep a closer eye on him and I think we'll do a little bit of a feature on him in the coming weeks. So, uh, eyes peeled for that one in the coming weeks from us on Zach Wilson from BYU. A couple of other things to just mention before we get out of here and start to talk about um, our Big Ten preview. A Texas A&M good? Yes. <laughs> I don't know because we, we've given them a lot of heat, especially me, especially me and Kellen Mon. But they're, you know, they're three and one. They, you know, they they're winning some games, you know, and it's not what we expected. You know, we were talking about Jimbo being on the hot seat a couple of weeks ago, and now a couple of wins later, I'm thinking, should we? Or did we speak too soon? Go on, Kieran. You want you want to poke fun at anyone in the uh, SEC? You got to poke fun at uh, Ole Miss QB Matt Coral. Um, you want to hear his amazing stat line from the Arkansas game? Yeah, go on, hit hit everyone who's not heard heard it already. Twenty for thirty eight, two hundred yards, two touchdowns. Six interceptions. These Arkansas D is good though, mate. You know, we've talked about it a little bit. Arkansas are, are looking all right now. You should not throw six picks as a starting well, no, that is in yes, the SEC. That's yeah. that's that is Onyx. They kept him in. That's the worst part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Should have put the punter in. Worked for Clemson. <laughs> another couple of shout outs um i just wanted to give a bit of a shout out almost to myself almost because uh we were doing our sec preview and i mentioned jc horn the corner from south carolina him and seth williams they had a battle didn't they on, on saturday evening and jc horn came up good got a couple of picks obviously south carolina running out with the win as well so kind of wanted to give myself a bit of a pat on the back for shouting him out and he's coming out and south carolina twitter saying he's the best cornerback in the nation 
So I don't know if Kieran was coming on that with Derek Stingley in, in his I, vicinity as an LSU fan, but yeah, he played really well uh, and a player that I'm looking forward to kind of scouting and getting into a little bit more. I actually just want to give a shout out to uh, t- number 21 at um, South Carolina, and that is Dion Sanders' son, Shiloh Sanders, in at safety. Absolute. If he's going to play anything like his father, you, you, be scared. He, he's a, <laughs> he, he, look, he, he went out on Twitter uh, and went after the number 14 from the opposing team and said, oh, I got another kid now. Like, he, he went <laughs> in. I, I want to find the post. Doesn't sound like a Sanders, it. does it? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, he went out there. He made some big tackles, made some mm. big plays. He's, he's very, very good. And everyone's behind him because of, you know, who his dad is. Everyone says that's, that's Dion Sanders' kid. So also his other son, Shador, is coming up as a quarterback soon. He's in his senior year at high school now. So we're about to see the Sanders' maker comeback in football. And it's, it's very exciting to see that. I see Sanders picking off Sanders in the future. Yeah, then, in could that be. case, could be. Shador committed to someone fairly recently, didn't he? Because anyone remember uh, Jackson, which is where Dion just took the head coaching job. Now he had committed to FAU, but it was a verbal commitment, and I don't know how much. You know, he he did a verbal commitment to FAU, but then a few days later, after his dad got the Jackson State job, he announced that. He had been offered from Jackson State. So whether he, he goes to FAU or goes to Jackson State, because Dion was a lot of his son's success when he played at high school. He was calling plays for him. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what he does there. Yeah, definitely. Um, one to watch for sure. I mean, obviously wouldn't be the biggest stage, would it, that you'd start off in, but you know, you can always transfer, can't you, these days? So especially with the the new rule coming in next year, isn't it? The one time transfer rule. So you could could take advantage of that after getting an easy easy start, getting a few wins under your belt and then kind of moving on to pastures new and, and bigger and better programmes. Yeah, and, and Jackson State is actually a HBCU. So it's, it's you know, it could make sense for him to go there with his with his father, I think. You know, that mm. um, I don't know if you guys know, HBCU is historically black colleges and universities. But um, Dion got the job there. If he brings his son in, you know, we, we could see something big going on because that they really played well together. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like I said, one to watch. But yeah, picking Sanders, picking off Sanders could be a fun one. Um, so yeah, no, definitely a couple of players to watch in the next couple of years. Liam, I'm going to turn it around to you because you wanted to give a particular shout out to one programme. Shout out to Coastal Carolina, number mm. 25 in the country, ranked for the first time in their history. They're the first, um, the most recent addition to the FBS. And uh, went to Louisiana and beat the Louisiana Raging Cajuns at the weekend, 30-27, mm. 4-0. Looked like being uh, the nearest rival to App State in terms of the Sunbelt Conference. And um, after that victory on the road to Louisiana, I was hoping that the AP poll would take note and they squeezed them in at number 25. So shout out to Coastal Carolina. Definitely. It's... Um... Not often, and you guys, maybe you'll disagree with me, but it's not often that the AP poll has the balls to kind of put someone in like that. You know, Marshall have just been ranked this week and they've been knocking on the door for a few weeks, haven't they? And yeah. Just about got in there this week. <laughs> kind of... They seem to like the Sun Belt in terms of they always like to put Appalachian State in there. Louisiana Raging Cajuns were ranked um, mm. before this defeat. And um, yeah, Coastal Carolina... Uh, 
I think, are, yeah, they're well worth it as well. They're playing, they're obviously playing some really good stuff for an O. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely want to keep an eye on as well. But yeah, it's nice. It's one of these different seasons, isn't it? Because of obviously the staggered start, obviously people opting out. There's a lot of different teams knocking around. And it's good It's good for anyone getting into the game as well, or the college game, because you get to know all the different teams rather than just the big guys, which you yeah. will watch, obviously. You know, it's, it's natural. But, you know, just to know these programmes and just have this knowledge is kind of it's kind of good for everyone and kind of good for those players as well to kind of come to the fore, uh, especially if they've got any draftable talent knocking around. So yeah, no, for sure. Really good shout out. Really good to mention those guys as well, rather than just these programs like LSU that we talk about way too much on the podcast. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of of teams that we going to talk about way too much, obviously Big Ten's kicking off this weekend, as we said. So we're going to move into our preview next. Um, we're going to give you a couple of our teams to watch, a couple of players to watch, and then obviously, like I said, talk about some championship winners and finish off with our review of Final Fours the whole of college football. So, Kieran, why don't you start us off with a team that we're going to hear an awful lot about in the Big Ten this year? Oh, I'm going to hate the way I have to introduce these people, <laughs> but the fans are the worst if you don't. The Ohio State University. They're obviously going to be the best team in the Big Ten this year. It's a foregone conclusion at this point. There's no one who really challenges them. They're, they are... They reign supreme in the Big Ten. They have done for a long time. You know, I feel sorry for Nebraska and Michigan and everyone who's going to have to play them and incur their wrath, but they've just got so many good players and, you know, say what you want about how their quarterbacks do in the NFL because they always do terrible. But Justin Fields is an amazing college football quarterback and I can't wait to see him back out there on the gridiron. He's, he's going to light it up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's looking looking down their schedule. It's not looking too scary, really, is it? Who do you see as their like biggest competitors uh, in, on their schedule? Who do you think? Who do you think is like the potential banana skin for them, if there is one? I don't think I'm reaching. Nebraska, probably. Just uh, they've done a lot of jawing. I feel like if they're going <laughs> to slip up anywhere, that's the team. Because um, it's not going to be Michigan. I mean, last time Michigan beat them, I think was 2012, with. Uh, who who is it? Denard Robinson. The two quarterbacks to beat him in the last twenty something years have been Denard Robinson and Tom Brady. So they, they've really reigned supreme over Michigan. It, it's mm. been a tough one. Uh, yeah, I think Nebraska's may be able to put a spanner in their works week one, but I think mm. that would just be through lack of practice for both teams. Like catching cold a little bit. Yeah, m- maybe uh, Penn State as well. Penn State are a good team and you know, have a lot of good players. I know they're missing Trace McSorley a lot, but (laughs) guy's a genius. What can I say? That song's catchy. Um, Yeah, Ohio State, it just, I feel like they're going to run over the Big Ten and it's the problem that Clemson have with the ACC and only doing conference play. There's not a lot of parity in in these college conferences. There's, besides the SEC, most uh, college conferences are just one big team that stomps on everyone else. You've got like Clemson and, uh, Ohio State and teams like that and the, the, they just reign supreme. Well. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma as well in um, Big 12 and you've got teams in the Pac-12 like Oregon that normally just stomp on everyone as well. It's, I, I just think if Ohio State lose one game this year, they're out of the playoff race and I think that Nebraska or Penn State could potentially trip them up. Mm. Yeah, other, than that, yeah, other than that, they're going to kill it. Do you, obviously, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but obviously with the, the, the Big Ten only playing, well, playing a much reduced schedule, one loss for any team puts them out. What do you reckon of the, of the 
by a very some yeah i think so i think yeah i think that's very real especially with um the likes of uh alabama looking really strong and clemson looking really strong there's not going to be playing for two spots aren't we really yeah we're playing for two spots there's not going to be too too much wiggle room there Mm. yeah so yeah watch this space obviously Ohio State are going to probably knock off everyone on that schedule I don't think they'll lose to be honest with you I think it'll make it a bit of a tough decision for the the playoff committee to you know put them in there at number three or four especially if people keep winning and you're looking at maybe a one loss team versus an eight is it an eight it's eight a schedule isn't it one two three four five yeah an eight and oh uh, Ohio State team Um, it's going to be a a bit of a toss up isn't it if there's a couple of decent one loss teams it's going to be interesting Um, but yeah we'll see Talking about a team then that's not really going to trouble the uh, the playoffs. Liam, do you want to talk about Michigan? Yeah, I do. Um, they're a team to watch in the Big Ten, not necessarily because, um, as you say, I don't think they're going to be Ohio State's biggest challengers. I think Penn State are probably going to be the biggest challengers to Ohio State. Um, all three of those teams are in the East Division this year. Um, uh, Michigan, it, I think it's a make or break year for them in terms of... Um, Jim Harbour as head coach. I think uh, obviously the Ohio State rivalry is massive, but um, he seems to be in the last couple of years, he's kind of in teetering on being in the real hot seat. Um, looking at their schedule, their, their schedule is quite favourable in terms of they got Michigan State, Wisconsin and Penn State all at home. Um, Ohio State and Minnesota on the road, probably going to be their two hardest games. Um, and I think a two-loss season um, will probably still be a good year. Obviously, if they can go even better, that's then that's great. Uh, I think a three or four-loss season, um, Harbour might be as close to on the way out as he's been. He's he's put a lot in, as has been um, reported. He's put a lot into recruiting and their recruiting events, and a lot of good talent in the last few years they've come in uh, via recruiting he's thrown a lot into it on all sides of the ball they've th- um, lost um, some good talent this year to the NFL but bought in uh, some good ones as well mm. no more Shea Patterson at quarterback but um, <laughs> um, junior Joe Milton is expected to be their starter he looks like a good watch I haven't seen enough of him but it looks like he's going to be the starter and uh, yeah he should lead the offense um, just before we came on to record, it sounds like Nico Collins, who I thought was going to be wide receiver one, might not be playing this year. It sounds like he's hooked up with an agent and is going to prepare for the NFL draft. That's a bit of a loss. Yeah. And uh, defensive talent as well. Um, so like I say, even though they're probably not my pick to be Ohio State's biggest challenger, I think that they're going to, it's going to be a really interesting season for them. Yeah, I think... It, it, Jim Harbaugh's on the way out if he if he continues to underperform. But I also think the biggest thing that's going to hurt Michigan is the lack of fans. Because I don't know if you have anyone's come over here and gone to Ann Arbor to see a game, but it is a ridiculous atmosphere. They pack 110,000 people in there and a big advantage they have is confusing other offences because they can't hear a thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be big for them because the atmosphere there is absolutely electric anytime they play even when they're down 30 points, everyone's still there and everyone's still supporting. Like when you see them play Ohio State, everyone's there till the end of the game, no one leaves. So I think that actually might hurt them this year because they're not going to have that sort of energy behind the team. But, but you know, it still remains to be seen. Mm, yeah, biggest stadium in the Western Hemisphere. 
uh, yeah, ridiculous site. Definitely should be on everyone's bucket list who's listening to the pod. So, yeah, when you can travel next year, hopefully, yeah, get yourself over there. Yeah, I agree with you, boys. Um, Harbour is on his way out. I think um, I think even for two loss season, in a shortened season, that's still 25% of the game. You know, that's the equivalent of a three or four loss season in, in a regular season. He's just not done it there, has he? You know, he's a big alum, obviously a big name, got paid, gets paid a lot of money, sorry. And he's just never, never done it. And this Ohio State hoodoo that they've got, they're, Ryan Day is going to want to put about 100 up on him, is what he said, isn't he, in those meetings. And, you know, they could do it, to be fair. I just, I've, I've always said that I think Michigan are really overrated. Every year, AP poll preseason comes out and they're there about 15 for no reason but name value for me. I just don't see a lot of, a great deal of talent on this team, you know, and as much as they've lost Shea Patterson, you know, it, it, we're saying this as it's Shea Patterson, but, you know, is it a downgrade at quarterback? You know, I don't know. Like you say, we're not seeing enough of Milton to, to, to kind of say, but it's not a big recruit to come in. It's not someone who we kind of know. It's not really moving the needle for me, I don't think. I'm not a massive Michigan fan, but I just don't see them doing anything, to be honest with you. I never do. It's interesting what you, um, like you're saying about uh, not liking Michigan because I. this is one of the reasons I wanted to focus on them because I, I fully get it and I get that they've thrown a lot at, at Harbour but, and uh, they, um, the, the talent that he's had there over the last few years. But then come draft time, they have some really good players on both sides of the ball that enter the draft. And um, yeah, Shea Patterson wasn't... Uh... My question about that, though, is when do any of them ever do anything? They, they do. They get hyped up, you know, but, you know, the likes of Rashan Gary recently. Winovich is maybe a bit of an exception to the rule. Didn't get drafted highly, but he's been a community, an effective player. <laughs> getting, getting him excited up there. He doesn't look like he was listening for a minute until eventually a Pats player. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, you know, it, it Another doesn't Another Pats player, Josh Uche is nice, nice player as well. Yeah, that is true. But, you know, he's injured. He's out on IR at the minute, isn't he? So, they, I guess I'm thinking... When player did anything? I'm yeah, not I guess I'm thinking right, in terms but... of... I guess I'm thinking in terms of draft value because all those names, they all... and I wouldn't say any of them were, were reaches by their respective NFL teams. Um, Rashawn Gary was an interesting one for me because I think he was uh, number one high school talent his That's recruiting right. year yeah. and um yeah he he kind of, he he's another one we've talked about it before needing a that extra senior year in my opinion at michigan and mm. believe yeah, that he entered early a player i i liked personally coming out I, and he's I don't, I don't think he's done ever done anything i was in green bay so far but yeah so it's interesting one, like you say, I think Michigan live off the name value, and that's what I kind of thought for a long time, especially with, with Harbaugh there. You know, it's a big fairy tale story, isn't it, of, of going there? Like I say, you, you're not wrong. There, there's definitely talent there, but I just don't think they ever step up and, and produce, really. Something about Harbaugh as the ex 49ers head coach as well, <laughs> as a Seahawk, and those, those big <laughs> games. There, there was a great rivalry there as well. Mm. And uh, definitely. yeah, there's certainly a little, there's certainly. He's certainly got something, but he, yeah, they've thrown so much, haven't they? They've thrown so much at it, it mm. as a program and him as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go on, Kevin. Yeah, I, I think it's hard, but he just struggles to get it done. And, you know, there, there's been some good players come out of Michigan. Obviously, you mentioned um, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Chase Winovich and stuff. And you even see guys like Drew Bill Peppers and Taylor Lewan and guys yeah. like that who are, are good players 
like Taylor Lewan and Jabril Peppers especially are standouts, but then you've got very average guys like Devin Bush, uh, Jake Butt and stuff like that. So they, they produce NFL talent, but it's so spread apart. They never have enough NFL talent on the team to take them all the way. And I don't know whether that's um, Harbour because, you know, we he chokes. He just is a, he's a choke artist. Um, but yeah, it's, Michigan football needs to rebuild think if they get rid of Harbour, hiring someone good. Honestly, I think a good guy for the job would be Zach Taylor. I know he's coaching in the NFL right now, but he's not doing a good job with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think if they take a guy like that, they could probably rebuild that program and, and, and take them up to where they were maybe 20 years ago when they were a legendary team. Joe Milton could be that man to start start the rebuild. Six foot five, massive NFL arm. Like there's, again, well... All I'm doing is is hyping up a, a program that we're already agreeing on gets too overhyped. <laughs> but yeah, from from what I've seen of Joe Milton, and it is very little. There's uh, there's there's something there. Let's see, let's see how he goes. Okay, I, I, I like your point about because I did say that I think a two loss season wouldn't be too bad. But you're right, it's 25 percent of the season now. Yeah, maybe I was being a bit unkind to Milton. I haven't seen a great deal of him either. So maybe saying he's a bit of a downgrade on Shea Patterson, which is is quite the is quite the insult. Maybe I was being a bit unkind. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna talk talk about Michigan's first opponents, actually Minnesota, uh, the Golden Gophers. Um, again, not a team that's gonna trouble Ohio State. I don't think. Obviously, they play in the West anyway, so not actually gonna play Ohio State. Um, but I think they've got a good chance of any is taking that that side of the conference. Obviously got the Badgers, who's going to be their biggest rival, biggest game, biggest uh, competitor really in that conference, playing for the Axe when they come together in November, a few weeks into the season, mid-season. Both should be hitting mid-season form. And uh, yeah, it should be a really good game. We've talked about the, the muddy puddle behind you know the top quarterbacks and we've got Tanner Morgan, who is in that muddy puddle. He's in that group, isn't he? You know, He's an interesting quarterback. He's not someone who is going to blow everyone's socks off, but... Could prove after a good season to be a draftable talent, go to somewhere, be a decent backup, maybe get a starting gig every now and then. And uh, yeah, he's a player that I'm really interested to watch. I'm not going to mention my guy who's going to be the player, but he's a, he's a big guy that you won't miss when you do watch Minnesota games if you turn on their games uh, in the future. Um, one guy who I do want to mention, though, is Rashad Bateman. Obviously, Minnesota had a couple of good wide receivers last year with Bateman and then Tyler Johnson. Not that I was a massive fan of Johnson, but he was still a good college football receiver. Bateman's back after opting out. He's opted back in. He's done his okie-cokie. He's wearing jersey number zero as well, which I absolutely love. Uh, so he's, he's instant, you know, first-round talent because he's wearing zero on his back. And yeah, it's a bit like what we're talking about with Ohio State, really. Um, I look at down their, their uh, schedule, and there's a couple of big games. It's probably more though, more so than, than Ohio State. I think they'll beat Michigan. They've also got Wisconsin. They've got Nebraska last game of the season as well. So there are a few games in there that where they, they might not, you know, pick up the win, but I think they're going to be a good team to watch. I think they're always a good team to watch. They're always playing good football. PJ Flex, a good coach. And, um, you know, they've lost some talent on defense. So I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout. Obviously, Noel Winfield Jr. and lost a couple of other guys as well. Carter Coffin was good off the edge for them last year, gone to the Giants in the seventh round of the draft. So it's going to be, you know, Tanner Morgan versus the world, really. And Rashad Bateman's going to eat up, I think. Kevin, did you want to come in there on Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say Rashad Bateman. 
opted out when he didn't think there was going to be a season. Luckily, the NCA, NCAA let him opt back in because he's an exciting player. Can't wait to see him speeding down the sidelines in those chrome domes. Mm. They're going to be a fun team. Uh, PJ Fleck, not the best head coach in the world, but he he does. He recruits hard. He, he does. He goes after recruits and it must be hard to get a bunch of kids, especially the kids down from Florida, say, hey, Come, come spend your winter months in the coldest place on earth. Uh, so, you know, th- they've got a lot of talent there. And I know there was the one big man you, you didn't want to talk about right now, but uh, I, I do my best Aussie accent when we, when we talk about him. <laughs> Looking forward to I, it. I, I live there. I'm, I'm allowed to. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you have that one. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Minnesota should be, should be a decent one. Should be a nice, um, you know, the west side of the conference, because there's no Ohio State just dominating there. There's a few more teams in there. I didn't mention Iowa because they're, they're having a bit of a down year, I think, this year. But obviously, usually a program that does pretty well. They've sent a lot of talent to the NFL over the past few years, especially on the offensive line. So, yeah, watch out for that one. Um, but, yeah, I think they're, I think they're going to be a good watch. And, uh, yeah, like you say, quite a nice uniform combination. Um, if it wasn't for, this is actually what we kind of talked about Trey Lance the other year, uh, the other week, sorry, last week. Um, obviously, Trey Lance is from Minnesota, two-star recruit out of Minnesota. Could have been playing for the Golden Gophers instead of Tanner Morgan had they recruited him. Because you don't get, like you say, you don't really get more than two-star quarterbacks playing for Minnesota, do you? So, kind of funny that he went all the way to North Dakota State rather than uh, you know stay at home, really. Yeah, his his family said they're actually a little bit offended that he wasn't um, recruited by Minnesota. Mm. So, that, that, that's a funny thing to add in the story of there, that you're offended that you weren't <laughs> scouted by the Gophers. So, <laughs> he might he might have uh, wanted to do a revenge tour if he'd have joined a Big Ten team. Yeah, that would have been a good storyline, wouldn't it? That would have really been a good storyline, but he opted to play one game this year and, and that's it, unfortunately. Anyway, so there are teams to kind of watch. Um, I'm sure Andy and Rob would have a couple. I think Rob wanted to talk about Purdue and, and he would have no doubt talked about Rondell Moore uh, for fantasy purposes, etc. Um, but yeah, I think we'll have a, obviously a bit more chat about the Big Ten. Obviously, one of the main conferences that's coming back on our screens from Saturday. So keep your eyes peeled for Big Ten games and what a Big Ten chat on the podcast. I was going to say eyes peeled on the full 10 yards college football website as well because I'll be having the yeah. uh, season preview. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that'll be uh, out just before the conference gets kicked off on the weekend. So yeah, definitely uh, not just get our thoughts, but obviously get Liam's more deep thoughts on, on the conference rather than just this team and conference uh, matchup. So we're going to talk about some players um, that we're going to look forward to now. Um, I'm going to start us off actually because I've, I've just gone and we've kind of alluded to him, but we've got massive tackle Daniel Falele. Um, you, not often you get a £400 tackle, but he's every bit of it, isn't he? Um, for those of you who haven't seen him, this is uh, the right tackle, Daniel Falele. Um, ex-rugby player, as we kind of alluded to a moment ago. Um, he's obviously enormous. He's six foot eight, 400, but he can move. And it, it's really a sight to see, really. You know, we talked about Mackay Beckton last year, and he you know, is enormous, but he's not this big. You know, we've got people like Trent Brown in the NFL, the Raiders, and these guys, you know, they're in, incredible human beings, the way they move for their size. You know, they're not just man mountains, but they can move as well. And yeah, I'm really interested to see how he gets on. It's going to be my first time scouting a 400 pound player. And um, so it's going to be an interesting watch for sure, as I kind of dive into him throughout the winter months and into the spring. Um, but yeah, I just think just the, 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 the skill set that he's got for his size, the nimbleness for in relative terms, obviously, um, and the length that he displays is just going to be a really interesting evaluation, um, you know, because at that size, not only are you just physically 
very difficult to get around. But when you can move and when you can fend people off with length and good technique, um, that he flashes every now and then, his technique's not flawless, obviously, as an ex-rugby player and not had the most football experience. He's going to be a rough diamond for someone because you can't teach this sort of size. You know, you can teach technique later down the line. So mid-round, second day, something like that, he's going to be a fine for someone, I feel. You guys see much of this guy. Kieran, I'll bring you in because obviously I'm sure you're dying to do this accent of yours. I would love to see how he would look if he had spent maybe a year with Dante Skarnecchia, who is probably the best O-line coach who's ever lived. Uh, but yeah, this kid's ridiculous. He's got big, long arms. He's got a great kick set. And he, he just, yeah, like you said, you, you can't teach that sort of size and the, the technique will come later, but he's just a huge human being. And it, when, when someone's 400 pounds, if you've ever played football, you know it's hard to try and bully someone who's, who's that much larger than you. But when he now has a distinct size advantage on everyone he plays against, even at the NFL level, Add that in with the long arms. He's got nice uh, fluid hips. He's got great legs. His um, kick set's amazing. He can really hold people off really well. So I think it'd be interesting to uh, see him this year and see how he takes on some more elite edge rushers. Yeah, everything is in proportion with him, isn't it? Yes, he's he's that heavy, over 400 pounds. But like you say, the height, the length, and uh, that technique is is going to improve. He's 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 exactly the the sort of that will be molded in the NFL there's going to be o-line coaches looking at him physically and what he's doing already and that will just be able to just work with him and to make him even better mm. yeah no for sure and obviously we've just mentioned um elite edges you're gonna talk about one now aren't you Liam yeah Shaka Tony the edge rusher from Penn State I think I mentioned when talking about Michigan, I think Penn State are probably going to be the nearest challenges to Ohio State and the Big Ten. He's And um, Shaka Tony uh, is going to be one of their main defensive players. They've obviously lost Mika Parsons to opting out this season. They lost Itor Gross Martos to the draft last year. Mm. And uh, the reason that I, wanted, that I picked Shaka Tony is I think that he's the next guy to step up in that um, defensive front. He's like he's a lighter uh, edge rusher. He's, there's room to to grow physically, but that is the sort of thing that the NFL likes in their edge rushers at the moment. He's more of a three-four outside linebacker than a defensive end. He's so for that reason, he's better against the pass than he is the run. He can come from way out wide. He's obviously got a lot of explosiveness and uh, a lot of speed. Um, I. I'm expecting him to become like the focal point of their D line. As I say, I mentioned the guys that they won't have now this season. Um, and uh, yeah, I really, I think he's going to have a really, really good season for Penn state. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, he's going to, going to headline that defense now really, isn't he with Parsons out and obviously like you say, lost the talent of Gross Matos. Um, yeah, being, being good against the pass, obviously it's all what's in vogue now, isn't it? For your edge rushers, you need diversity, you need athleticism. And he seems to have that in bunches from, from what I've seen. Definitely a player that I'll be I'll be watching uh, moving forward when I do watch a bit of Big Ten. Um, yeah, should be should be a good shout there for for Shakatoni. In in not I don't know if you'll agree with me here, Liam, but not the greatest of edge classes. So definitely got a chance to rise up the ranks. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. And like um, he'll rise up because of um, I think that he's what the NFL are looking for now. You think of guys like Clevon Chase on from last season mm. that are like the lighter, faster. They'll cut. They'll they push them as far out wide as they can to come around off the edge. 
he needs to improve against contact and against the run, but he is, and he probably will this season, to be honest, because he is going to be the guy that Penn State are going to be trying to chase down offences with. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Kieran, have you seen any of Shaka Tony? What's your thoughts on him? Uh, I, don't, I haven't seen much outside of a few highlights, but like uh, Liam said, as the type of guy the people in the NFL are looking for right now, slightly smaller guys who are still very powerful and have that uh, elite first step. Because mm. this is what you look for in a, in a pass rusher is a guy who can really get off the line quick and not necessarily out-muscle linemen, but just be more agile and get around them rather than run through them. See, with a lot of players now, defenses are sort of hybrid hybridizing with um who was the kid from Clemson last year who was taken it in the Isaiah first round. Simmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons. He's built like a safety but plays like a linebacker and he can he can rush off the edge with speed instead of power. So so yeah, that's actually a great shout from Liam. Because of uh it being his um his senior year now, you wonder if they're going to get him to put on weight and if so if that's then going to slow him a bit and if it is then that will probably affect him negatively um, we'll, we'll wait and see I, maybe they maybe they won't maybe he'll just carry on he certainly he looks and well he plays bigger than he actually is so I think that he will probably carry on doing so hmm. yeah no definitely want to watch there good shout from you there Liam um, talking about person who we're going to be looking out for, Kieran, you're going to talk to us about potentially the highest profile player in the conference this year? Yes, um, Justin Fields. Everyone's got their eye on him, especially as, as a, like a top three draftable quarterback in the NFL. You know, look, OSU quarterbacks never really succeed in the NFL. And I don't know whether that's a talisman to how he's going to do or, or how he's going to play in the NFL, but it is something to think about. Um, obviously, Haskins jury's still out on him but it's not looking good and then we've seen guys like JT Barrett, Braxton Miller and you know these sort of Cardell. guys I, I, look, I'm a DC Defenders fan I will have no Cardell Jones <laughs> slander on this podcast um, yeah he's terrible though um, but yeah it, it'd be interesting to see how he does because he's he's very fast he's very speedy he's sneaky he's agile and he makes reads very quickly which is underrated a lot of people go into the college game and they see guys with huge arms like trey lance who not throwing interceptions making massive bombs downfield but they're not really looking at the guy's decision making as closely as they should be uh and he's good he he, he doesn't spend too much too long on a read. His release is fairly average. I'm not saying he, he's got like a super speedy release or anything, but he, he he reads the field correctly and he has a good handle on defense. As we saw when he went up against Clemson in the playoffs last year, they didn't get the win, but he was dissecting their defense fairly quickly and fairly intelligently for a, a, a college level quarterback. So it's actually really, really interesting to see how he could pan out in the NFL. I don't think he's worth a first round pick though, just because like I said, the whole OSU quarterback thing, I think maybe second round and you could sort of justify it a bit more. But then again, this, this, this quarterback class is so weak. I mean, what is it? Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields and Trey Lance right now. There's no 
besides Trevor Lawrence, there's no one who jumps out at you as like an ultra superstar QB or a guy who could potentially carry a franchise. So, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen how he plays this year to, to where he goes in the draft. If he has a good year, cool. Maybe take him late first round, sort of like a Lamar Jackson pick. Uh, I'm not saying he's as good as Lamar Jackson, but guys with an aging veteran quarterback who might want to move on. I, I definitely think he's a project guy like Trey Lance. I mean, definitely want to sit him for a year or two just, just to sort of get him used to it. I think that's actually a problem with these OSU guys as they get thrown into the fire. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Justin Fields can do this year and then see if he can parlay that into some NFL success. That I don't know. It's generally not the consensus. Though. Everyone's got him up, you know, top five pick, haven't they? I mean, I guess it's, it's, it goes back to what we were saying about Lance last week, isn't it? It's the difference between first round on your board as a, as a that's what you sort of evaluated them as or first round as in where they're going to be picked is that kind of what you're kind of saying that you would evaluate him as a second round quarterback but you yeah. do you still recognize that he'll probably go early first yeah like like i said the osu thing is, is i'm not i'm not even superstitious so i don't know why i'm i'm being like this with it but yeah just something about osu quarterbacks is that they I think he's a second round guy because you just don't want to throw him in immediately. And if you're a franchise who needs a quarterback, you 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 don't want to put it all on a rookie. You like look at Joe Burrow. He's he's great, but he's getting lit up. You if if Justin Fields is going to be successful, it's going to be to a team who has a successful team but needs a new signal caller in there so he can maybe sit there for a year or or even two potentially just to sort of learn learn the game because look at guys like Sam Darnold who've been thrown into the fire and now been replaced by Joe Flacco who's you know probably fumbles the ball more than a guy with no hands and you got Joe Burrow who's doing well but he's getting absolutely lit up he he, he got sacked seven times I think against Philly and you you don't want to put a quarterback through that it's, it's not great so I if I was drafting for a quarterback Say I was at like an Atlanta or I nearly said Seattle. That would have been embarrassing. If I was at uh, an Atlanta or a, even a Dallas at this point, I would take him in the second round, make sure there's talent around him that I grab in the first and in the third, and then let him sit behind a veteran like Matt Ryan or, or, or Dak Prescott and let him let him sort of learn the game a little bit. Mm, Liam, what do you think? Obviously, you're, you're going to have an opinion on Justin Fields for sure. But um, draft stock wise and uh, to what Kieran was saying, I think that he's in quite a good situation because I don't see him going top 10. So he's going to be in going to um, a team that probably does already have a nice. He'll be unlucky, I think, to drop out of the top kind of 10, 15 and then go to a team that has genuine offensive struggles. Although I'm sure there'll be there'll be some around. Um, But yeah, I think that he. I'm really, I'm, he's a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does this year because I'm still trying to just weigh up. I, in terms of what you're saying, I agree. I've heard top five rumours and he, I don't know, I don't see that at all at the moment. But I do think he's very good and he can be He can be very good. Um, Ohio State should be in a very strong situation, which we'll come to when we talk about um, our playoff picture. Um, but yeah, I, I rate their chances of having... Uh, I rate their chances very strongly of having a very good season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of these, isn't it? It doesn't get banded about too much, but Justin Fields is really in the same boat as Trey Lance. They're, they're equally experienced, really, in terms of, you know, obviously he didn't play at Georgia, he went to Ohio State, had last year. That's been his only really, you know, year, even though Justin Fields has been a name that we've known for such a long time, um, you know, because he's, you know, massive recruit and things like that. Obviously now he's got this transfer and, like I say, he's, he's in a little bit of a different boat to Trey Lance because he's actually going to play this year, but... Right now, they're the same sort of experience, aren't they, really? But they're not being treated, probably include myself in this, but they're not being treated in the same vein with these sort of conversations. Yeah, um, eight games might suit him as well. It won't be, won't, you know, it's not a uh, kind of 14-game season. Like a proper, like a little bit of a, more of a showcase, really, before he potentially declares. You mean? Yeah, right? and and more so than like someone like like Trey Lance, who only gets one game, where it kind of was lose lose situation. Whatever yeah. happened. Yeah, no, I completely agree with what you what you said with that last week for sure. So yeah, like I say, you've got plenty of players in Big Ten. We could, have, I mean, we've named three between us, but we could have gone on for for a lot. There's a lot of good players in this conference, a lot of good teams, or you know, teams that we'll at least be talking about quite a lot. But more of that as we move through the season. Let's round out the podcast now by just revisiting what we what we went through and we had our SEC podcast and we're just going to go with our playoff predictions, kind of revisit that, tell us any any sort of changes that we'd like to make now that we've had a few games and uh, you've been made to look a bit silly in, in some in some cases and I definitely include myself in that one. Kieran, why don't you start us off with uh, with your final four for now and then you know any changes that you've made? Okay, so. I'm going to have to make some changes from what I said at the start of the season. Some things are going to remain the same. Now, Oklahoma, they're gone. They're not going to make it this year, I don't think. Spencer Rattler's terrible. Enough said about him. Uh, Alabama still up there. They have looked fantastic. Mac Jones has been nothing short of incredible this year and has, has just played absolutely fantastic with Saban and the defense as well. Guys like Jalen Waddle and... Uh, Devonta Smith as well on offense have just looked incredible. They've got so much NFL caliber talent. So I think top four, we're going to go for Alabama, Ohio State. Should I throw in some wild cards? Uh, <laughs> no, we won't throw any wild cards. We'll go Alabama, Ohio State. Oh, this could kill me. Florida and uh Clemson? Yeah, Clemson. Clemson yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I was blank, <laughs> I blanking on Clemson there. Yeah, I don't know why I was, I was blanking on Clemson. I was wondering how long to I leave it. <laughs> I was wondering I how long it was, to leave it. It just went without saying Clemson, so I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's probably why I blanked yeah. there. But yeah, I think they're the four teams who are going to do so. And you might... Don't let Rob listen to this because I don't want him to think that I've given his Gators too many props. But um, yeah, they're just the only teams realistically that are looking like they could win a win a natty this year. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, Liam, why don't you take us into your four? Um, well, I'm going to stick Alabama. Well, in my uh, SEC preview that I did for 10 yards, um, I don't remember discussing it at length at the time, but I did say that Bama would go 10-0. and and I think at the time, I kind of felt very dirty um, do, doing that. And I'm feeling better about it the longer the season goes on, especially as Georgia is one of their like potential banana skins that they've overcome. So we'll, I'm going to stick with Alabama at number one. Clemson, um, Ohio State, I'm definitely going to stick in because um, they are my outside pick to win the whole thing. Um, they would have been definitely um, pre-COVID. 
Um, so I'm going to stick with that. And uh, we've talked about that there is the potential for them to have a one loss season and not make it, which is true, but I think they go eight and oh and get in. Mm. And um, I'm going to stick for now with Florida. Um, I put them as uh, the biggest challenger to Bama in the SEC. And despite uh, the the rocky starts the season that they've had, um, I'm going to stick with them. I, I backing them to, to stay in the hunt and to get into that top four. Mm. So both of you going for Ohio State unbeaten seasons, then putting them in there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree I, that a one-loss season. I agree that a one-loss season will will make it very difficult for them to get in. Mm. James, already, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I was going to say what whatever happens, especially if Ohio State take it all, which I think is actually a great take by Liam. Clemson and Alabama fans, no matter what, if they don't win out this year, they're going to be unbearable because they're they're going to blame Ohio State on winning on because oh, COVID we had opt outs. No, it's this it's still college football. There's just no fans in the stadium and no preseason games. So get over yourself. I just know that's going to be annoying if neither of those two teams win out and if Ohio State somehow don't win out it'd be the same as last year it was the ref's fault not theirs <laughs> so his excuses gone in I think Ohio State is the Big Ten's kind of big chance that if Ohio State do lose whether it's one of, it devalues the whole conference in the eyes of the playoff committee so I think that they'll they uh, Big Ten are almost going to need Ohio State to to run the table. Um, I think I've got Wisconsin to win the West division and to be Ohio State's um, championship game opponents. Um, mm. But I don't think that they will, um, I don't think that they will put up enough to be Ohio State. So I think Ohio State, have, in terms of the point of view of the Big Ten themselves, I think Ohio State have got to, got to go 8-0. and yeah, I agree. Um, I think Wisconsin will win the West as well. Probably missed that bit out before, but yeah, I think so. But, you know, with you guys saying that we think Ohio State might and could possibly should win all, gate, all eight games, do we think there's going to be another Big Ten contender at all for the playoffs? No, probably not. Kieran, who do you think will, who do you think will be playing Ohio State in the, the Big Ten Championship? The silence said it all, by the way, from both of you. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I think I think you guys both had it head on. Wisconsin's going to be the biggest challenge for them. It's probably going to be the team they play in that title game. As Whether you like it or not, those are the two best teams in the Big Ten. I mean, Minnesota have got some guys and Penn State have got some guys. But yeah, they're, they're just the two biggest teams right now and they're, they're, they're the teams to beat. So I think it, you know, it'd be a good game when they face off. Don't get me wrong, but I, th- I think they're pretty much if you if you had to bet your house on it they're the two teams you'd put in the championship game mm, yeah i'd agree so i'm going to give my four my four i'm not going to pull any surprises i've got one team dropping out and i'm going to maybe replace it with a bit of a shock a, a shock with a shock almost because i'm dropping out ucf who've had a pretty average start to the season uh, like we said before two and two so far i had alabama clemson and florida in there as well i'm going to keep those guys in there but if we're going to get on the zach wilson hype train how about BYU to make the final four? If they keep going unbeaten and if, you know, they're not knocking off big teams obviously each week, but they're going to be pretty difficult to ignore, especially as the, the hype train kicks off around Zach Wilson and BYU. It's going to be a bit of a fairy tale story. And we've said it in the past, haven't we, that we'd, we'd rather see a, a team that we don't often see. You know, it's too often now that 
college football is kind of Alabama, Clemson, usually Oklahoma, Ohio State, maybe one more. It'd be nice to see someone else kind of make it in there, if for only one season in this COVID hit season where it's a bit of a peculiar year. And then we can kind of turn our attentions back to being normal again. But yeah, BYU, I'm going to put it in there. I'll probably be taking it out next time we do this uh, this exercise. But, you know, nice to be different. It's a really good idea. They, it, they, it, it's relying, they are relying on um, other teams losing. They're yes, the team that sure. they're relying on Ohio season. State to lose and to rely on like the Big 12 to carry on beating themselves, the Pac-12 to do what they do every year and beat each other mm. to the point where they won't get in. Yeah. That's a, that's another point. So obviously Pac-12 only playing seven games and we'll, we'll obviously do a, a show on them uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But do we think even a 7-0 and Pac-12 team can get in? Yes. Do you think? Yes, I do, yeah. Probably if there's... Obviously relying yeah, on the Big Ten team to lose because obviously an 8-0 yeah, Big Ten team. And the way that the SEC is, that there's always going to be... The playoff committee always like to keep an eye on the extra SEC team. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame winning out could still potentially, although of course they still have Clemson to play. Hmm. They seem to be favoured quite highly by uh, the AP at the moment, don't they? Yeah, ranked at three, which was one of my grievances that I talked about earlier. <laughs> That's weird. That's, it's high, They're always isn't it? a favourite. They are always a favourite. Yeah, it's a blue book programme, isn't it? But yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we're going to do this exercise um, as time goes on. I, obviously, I'm a big Pac-12 stand, but I, I, I don't even see out a 7-0 team. I don't think there'll be a 7-0 team. It's the Pac-12. Of course, there'll be teams taking wins off each other. But I don't. I just don't see it. They don't get the respect anyway from the playoff committee. You know, it's the kind of anti-SEC, isn't it? It's kind of the opposite of that. They, you know, we were talking about last year, if if Oregon got a couple more wins, would they even be in the final four? You know, <laughs> if it was like fifth, fifth ranked at the end of the season. So... Whether that would be, you know, the, the case, I'm not sure. I don't know if they would even put a seven and team in it. I don't think there'll be one as we'll come on to in a couple of weeks. But one to watch, one to watch. You know, for in a couple of weeks when we go through that, and obviously as we kind of do this periodically throughout the season. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking now. BYU, kind of my team that I'm pinning my my hopes to, and uh, for a, a different team in the in the final four. So as we mentioned, obviously coming up this week, we're going to have um, Liam's. Big Ten preview coming out. Um, obviously, another Kieran's Corner will be hitting you on the weekends. Another great work from you there, mate. Um, this weekend just gone. Um, and then obviously, we'll be back next week with another edition of Full Time Yards podcast. I think we'll be dipping into the AP poll. As you said, we kind of had some bubbling up things there talking about this poll and some grievances that we might have. Um, but yeah, we'll be kind of talking about that next week. Go on, Kieran. Yeah, we've also got a bonus pod coming out with the CEO of Ohio, Sir Yacht. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's a fun one. Talked mm-hmm. a lot about Ohio State, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, how many teeth Pittsburgh Steelers fans have. <laughs> Clue, it's the same as the amount of Super Bowls they have. So yeah, that, that was a fun one. I think people like that. If you want to you have a little laugh along with us. And that's hitting YouTube as well. So it's going to be in your eyes and your ears as well. When's that When's that coming out? Are you, are you aware of that scheduling? Uh, working on the timeline right now with um, Tim. It's, it's see where it goes, but probably this week at some point, cool. probably before the weekend. Yeah, no, definitely look out for that one. Um, obviously, it'll be coming out. And then obviously, we've got uh, our new edition and obviously a couple more written pieces over the next week or so. So last thing to do, boys, just tell everyone where they can find you on the Twitter sphere on anywhere else on Full Time Yards as well. I'm uh, at Liam66NFL on Twitter. 
anything NFL, anything college football, or my full 10 yards college football work, you'll find me there. Yeah. I'm sure you'll hear some and see some uh, pro Seahawks propaganda on there as well in the pro community Seahawks. if they uh, if they keep on keep on getting the dubs. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Kieran? I am at DCCYT Football on the Twitter. If you want to see me cry about Patriots football, cry about <laughs> LSU football, and then get shouted at by uh, you know New York Jets fans, then that's the place to be. <laughs> Yeah, and not not too much like Pat's propaganda going on there, as you say. Well, it's, it's a bad week. <laughs> it might be a bad season, yeah. You never know. Uh, yeah, we're too too early to go into that yet. But uh, if you don't see me very often this year, you know what's happened. Well, yeah, I mean, you've already lost LSU, so you never know. You might have, you might have to be a bit quiet for a bit. You never know. Not like you. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't see that happening. I'll find a way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. And I'll if find you want a hit- baseball team to look at. Ah, oh, that's just finished anyway, isn't it? He's not got much time. <laughs> oh, about of options. I'm not a baseball fan, by the way. Not going to start up a full 10 yards baseball account anytime soon. Nah, it's just cricket with nice uniforms. It's just rounders, isn't it, mate? That's all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to find me, I'm at Wakefield90 on the Twitter. And obviously, you can find me usually um, behind the full 10 yards CFB Twitter account, which is at full 10 yards CFB. Uh, on a Saturday evening, telling you what I'm watching and what I'm seeing. But yeah, that's another edition in the books. Um, obviously, look forward to the Big Ten coming in this weekend. Um, so thanks for everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week for another fun-filled edition. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.